Good morning. Well, all righty then. Uh, you got, I, I, I was, <laughs> I was uh, reading something yesterday and it said, experts recommend that on daylight savings time that you sit your clock ahead when you go to bed. And I thought, that, that took an expert to figure that out. I mean, as opposed to what? Getting up at 2 a.m. and changing it or, yeah. <laughs> so apparently all of you are experts uh, of some sort or another. Uh, <laughs> that's a funny word, experts, but I'm not going to go into that right now. Uh, that's right. Two, uh, actually three things uh, following the service today. The women's ministry has cooked your uh, lunch for you. Uh, you do have to give them five bucks for it, but you can't, you can't, uh, you can't do it for that at home. So uh, just encourage you to, uh, to support them in that. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member of the church, uh, next Sunday we're having a luncheon for those who are interested in membership. And, but we do need you to sign up. Next Sunday, it'll be too late to sign up because we already have all the meals ordered and prepared. But um, I guess at the Welcome Center, yeah, there's a sign up there if you're interested in that. And then this coming weekend on Friday and Saturday night, there will be a a murder mystery dinner theater. Uh, I mean, you know, how many churches have murder mysteries? You know, you're at a special place. Uh, And it'll be to support the children's ministry. And uh, aptly enough, it's called Cereal Killers, and that's because most of the ingredients in cereal <laughs> will kill you if you eat enough of it. But I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the plot or not, but I encourage you to come to that and support, support the children's ministry. Yeah. Would you stand with me? And let's uh, read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through Six, I guess it would help if I turned this on. Yeah. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, for the revelation of life that is in your word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to each one of us here. Lord, help us to be willing to change. Help us, Lord God, to be willing to change and not feel that we have arrived and that others need to change instead of us. We pray for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. When I was growing up, such a verse would, uh, would have been used in connection with teaching uh, teaching you not to drink, not to smoke, and not to wear short shorts. Now, a lot of that's good advice. Uh, drinking in excess is always a bad idea, so that's not something that you should be doing. Uh, smoking, you know, I used to, I, I was kind of taught that smoking would 
you know, send you straight to hell. And I don't really believe that anymore, but it sure makes you smell like you've been there. And <laughs> you know, what can I say? It, you know, <laughs> how would I know that? Uh, well, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, sometimes people think, well, you know, a few breath mints will do it. No, if you want to fool people after you smoke, you not only need the breath mints, you need a shower and a laundry <laughs> since your last cigarette. But, I mean, that's, that's okay. We love you anyway. That's right. If, if you didn't smoke, you'd be able to tithe. Uh, it's, it's, it's real expensive stuff. That doesn't mean, I mean, that doesn't... Costs a lot of money to do that there. And now when it comes to short shorts. Yeah. That's for you, that's for you old people. The, the vast majority of the human race should not wear short shorts. It has nothing to do with morality. It's purely an aesthetic. And I'm not saying that those people have unattractive bodies. I'm saying, un, un, I'm saying short shorts accentuate the negative. So just, you know. Now, but that's not what Paul is talking about, very fortunately here. Not talking about any of those things when he says to live a life worthy of the calling that you receive. You know, we may also think of certain categories of people, you know, monks and nuns and missionaries and, and, and pastors and TV preachers and stuff, you know, that must be what he's talking about. No, you can be a monk, you can be a nun, you can be a missionary, you can be a pastor, you can even be a TV preacher and not live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And notice also that he's not saying to live a life worthy so that you will get a calling. You have a calling. Now, I may not know what your specific calling is, but I know what your calling is. Your calling is to be a child of God and conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Everybody who belongs to Christ, that's what you've been called to do. Paul is saying, live a life worthy of that. Well, how, how uh, how do you do that? Well, he tells us in the next two verses, he tells us exactly how to do it. He says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Humble and gentle. That should be obvious. It should be completely obvious because Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble and heart and you will find rest for your souls and if he is our if he is our example if he's the one that we are being uh, conformed to the image of and he says I am gentle and humble then yes life worthy of that calling is a life of humility and, and, and gentleness look around the world and especially look at our own culture where do you see humility and gentleness? It almost doesn't exist because those aren't the qualities that we admire. 
Those aren't the qualities that we tend to, to lift up and go, I want to be like that. I want to follow that. Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll keep that one myself. Humility is magnificent. Humility is a magnificent and, and, and wonderful thing. A truly humble person truly knows himself or herself. They, they don't just know what they can't do. They know what they can do, too. They, they have a right estimation of, of who they are, and so they don't have to go around proving stuff. They don't have anything to prove to themselves or, or, to, or to anybody else. The two greatest leaders of all time, certainly uh, the two greatest leaders from the Bible, and to me that means the two greatest leaders of all time, uh, are without a doubt Jesus Christ and Moses. Those would be the two. And Numbers 12.3 says of Moses, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And he was. I, we don't tend to think of Moses in that way. We tend to think of Moses, you know, throwing down those tablets and splitting the earth open and, and standing before Pharaoh, let my people go. And we don't think of that as humility. And yet, he's a very humble man. He absolutely was. When people, when people attacked him, you don't really ever see Moses defending himself. He didn't have to defend himself. Yeah, you, you see him basically usually going on his face before God, going, God, don't, don't kill him. It's usually what you see. And, and even though Moses did stand in front of Pharaoh or, or Aaron did for him, going, let my people go, that wasn't his idea. I mean, that was God's idea. In fact, Moses went, you know, that, that's, God, that's not my strong point. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Jesus, on, and I will... You know, I will point out, let me, let me just say this, because I've pointed it out numerous times before. Yes, Moses did write that verse, okay, that says that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth, but he wrote it on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he could write it because it was true, and he knew who he was. Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. This is, this is a biblical leader. This is the kind of leader you want to follow. They also knew that there was no limit to what God could do through them. The Apostle Paul, the one who wrote the verses that we, that we uh, read earlier, <laughs> he, had, uh, he had a thorn in the flesh. Some, and we get hung up on, well, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I don't know. Maybe it was a thorn. I don't Something, you know, possibly could have been. Really doesn't matter. It was something that, that bothered him greatly. Enough so that he, that he cried out to God, you know, God, please take this away. And, and, and God goes, no, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And besides that, Paul, you're, you're pretty humble right now. And that's not your normal MO. You normally have a pretty high opinion of yourself. Now, I'm actually adding some stuff here. But, but God says, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're on a roll... I've got to step out of the way, and we'll just see how far you roll. But when you know what the end of your strength is, then you know what the beginning of mine is. And things can really start happening at that point in time. 
And not only that, a truly humble person. And this is, this is you know, I said Moses would fall on his face and go, God, protect them. Don't kill them when people would come against him. A truly humble person is able to turn outward. Uh, the C.S. Lewis quote puts it so well. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Not as often, not, not, not as frequently when you, you, when you don't know who you are, when you're just kind of wandering around out there, and quite frankly, you haven't found your true self till you find yourself in Christ, okay? But when you don't know who you are, and, 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 I'm, and I'm not just making that up because over in Corinthians, we'll get there later on, it, it tells us that your fullness is also in Christ. So that's where you truly find yourself. But when you don't know who you are, you burn up a lot of energy on you. You burn up a, a whole lot of energy trying, to, uh, trying to, to, to discover yourself. But when you do know who you are, then you're free to just turn and focus on others. And as I said many times before, the, the big difference, the primary difference between, between God and, and the enemy and Satan is God is outward focused all the time. The enemy is inward focused. Me, me, me. Gentleness. Gentleness carries within itself the notion of strength. For you to need to be gentle, you've got to be strong already. When a child holds a baby chick in its hands, something like this, you might be inclined to say to that child, even though it's a little child, be gentle. Now, why would you say that? Yes, because that chick is not big enough to eat yet. And that child, if it's not gentle, could end up killing. Now, if a child is with an elephant, you don't say to the child, be gentle. You say, be careful. (laughs) Because the weak one is not the one who needs to be gentle. The strong one is the one who needs to be gentle. When someone says, and sometimes, you know, people will say, you know, of, 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 of a guy or even or gal, you know, sometimes, well, they don't know their own strength. And maybe they are just dumb, but maybe they're just mean or just a bully. You know, I, I'm, seriously, and when I say dumb, I mean, I mean ignorant, you know, if it's a little child, they, they can grow up to learn about their strength. But, uh, you know, the, the options are this, gentle bully. Those are the only two options. Now, with our strength. Now, none of us bat a thousand on either one of these. Let's be clear about that. But that doesn't mean there are other options in here. That means those are the two options. And Paul says, if you're going to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, you need to be gentle and you need to be humble and you need to be patient, bearing with one another in love. Didn't you talk about this last week? Yeah, I did. I'm still in the same book. Oh, Ephesians. No, the Bible. As long as we're in the Bible, we're probably going to continue talking about this. Uh, As a a Pentecostal growing up and then later on a charismaniac, we would often uh, accuse our cessationist brethren of picking and choosing what parts of the Bible they wanted to believe. And, uh, and by cessationists, people you know, who didn't believe that the Holy Spirit did those things anymore. Uh, but I have come to learn as I've gotten older that 
all of us pick and choose the parts that we want to believe, the parts that we focus on, the parts that resonate with us, and the parts that don't resonate with us, we tend to, you know, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. It's basically what it amounts to. And the most evil, I was going to use a bigger word, but nobody knows what pernicious means, and, and, and unfortunately ubiquitous, uh, uh, picking and choosing involves the notion of others in the body of Christ. We, we, uh, and who those others are and happen to be. We pretend that there are reasons why it's okay to not embrace others, to not walk alongside of others. We pretend that, you know, we've got good reasons why, uh, well, we need to build walls within the Christian community. But that's not true. I mean, the New Testament does warn against false prophets, but those are serious heresies that it's talking about. It's not talking about practices and, 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 and points of doctrine that are not essential to the essential of doctrine, the, death, the divinity, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. There you go. That's the essential. And anybody who believes that, I may not want to go to their church, but I can walk with them and call them a brother. You get right down to it. 1 Corinthians 12 teaches that no part of the body can say to another part, I don't need you. I don't need you. I've come to find out as I've gotten to know other people, uh, and I say other people, everybody's an other person, but as I've gotten to know people from other uh, backgrounds and, and Christian camps, that all of them have their strengths. All of them have their strengths. All of them have their weaknesses. And gee, that kind of sounds like the fact that my hand has a strength, but it's not, it doesn't, it can't hear. It can't see. It can't, well, I've seen people walk on their hands, but, but it, that wasn't me. I, I can't do that. I mean, there are things that it, that it can't do, and there's no part that, I mean, my hands can't look at my ears and go, well, I don't need you. You look dumb. You know, I mean, what, what good is an ear? You can't pick up anything with your ear. And yet we tend to do that to each other in the body of Christ. And then when it gets right down to local stuff, the real reason for the vast majority of our divisions is the fact that our love is so feeble. Not that our differences are that important, but our love is that weak, is that feeble. And the greatest chink in the armor of love that we have is our lack of patience with one another. Um... Last night, uh, I went to Blast. Good job. It was, it was terrific. <clears throat> and uh, they, uh, they did a video of the uh, most annoying kid in the youth group. And we're going to see that video because it, it makes my point. Especially the ending of it. Does is cry, all he does is whine, even 
And though we know his family life is just fine, it's just the most annoying kid in youth group. Tell him we're busy. Busy doing what? We're praying. Guys, you're his youth pastors. Technically, I'm just the worship pastor. <laughs> He's in there crying right now. Tell him to stop. Tell him to stop. <laughs> Okay, um, I've got a spinal tap and I've got to go. Hold on! I ministered to him all last week. It's your turn, buddy. Now hold on. I'm the one that held his hand when he got those rabies shots for taunting that rabid pit bull. Listen up and listen good, mister. I'm the one who spent my entire Christmas vacation with him. Christmas! Christmas! That was one day. And then the second week of Christmas vacation, I was there tutoring him all week in chemistry. I don't even remember chemistry. And I'm there because I'm still the pastor who can't learn to say no. You said tutoring. Oh, do not hit me in the kidneys. I'm going to be peeing blood for a week. All right, let's do what's fair. Let's play rock, paper, scissors to see who has to minister to Josh. Fine. All right. someone to talk to. No offense, but I need to talk to Pastor Adam. Okay. Pastor Adam said he wants to talk to you. Said he'd feel more comfortable talking to you. <laughs> hey there, Josh. Heard you wanted to talk. I didn't feel like no one wants to talk to me. I can't imagine why. The most annoying kid in youth group. No youth were harmed in the making of this video. Seriously. Josh volunteered. He's awesome. We love Josh. In fact, Pastor Adam is the most annoying kid in youth group. Seriously. I don't mind loving others. I just don't want to be patient with them. Well, if you're not patient with them, you don't love them. The first quality of love Love is patient. And there are people, maybe even some people here, that you don't like. 
And maybe you love them. You don't like them, or maybe you even do like, but they annoy you. Maybe you're the most annoying kid in the youth group. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, all of us are annoying at some point in time. There have even been occasions when Margaret thought I was annoying. <laughs> I can't really remember any right now. But I'm pretty sure that's happened. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Bear with one another in patience. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Go, go to, the, to the end of your rope and then grab God's rope. Make, make every effort. All of these things that Paul mentioned in defining a life worthy of the calling you have received, all of them require community. All of them require other people. None of them are things you can do by yourself. So, well, you know, what about humility? Humility, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, did it make a sound? So, you know, if you're humble but you ain't ever seen anybody else, then big deal. Are you really humble? I mean, all of these require, require people. Being humble and gentle doesn't happen in a vacuum. Pa patience and love requires, requires others. Keeping the unity of the Spirit is a group endeavor, one which is frequently undervalued. You know, it's fine. Uh, it, it's good. We should all have principles. Uh, and being a person of, of principle is, 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 is a fine thing. But let me remind you that Hitler was a person of principle. Mao Zedong was a person of principle. They just weren't good principles. And, and, and having, having principles is, is one thing, but we need to understand that God has put us together in a body. We don't, we don't live in a vacuum, and so it's not all about, well, I have these principles, and if you want to be a part of my circle, you come here. And we admire that stuff, but Paul says make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, you know, there are places you can't go. There are uh, things that you can't go, well, I can't go. There are things you have to say, I can't go there with you. But they're not nearly as few as we think they are. And the bond of peace, how valuable, how richly valuable that is. We often confuse the spirit of war for the spirit of a warrior. And they are not the same thing at all. At all. The greatest warrior that the state of Tennessee ever produced, or at least someone is certainly in the conversation because it's produced a lot of great warriors, but the greatest warrior the state of Tennessee has ever produced could, probably was, was Alvin C. York. Uh, fought in the First World War, won the Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, won the highest medals that, uh, that both France and, and England could give in the war. This guy, he was a, he was a sharpshooter uh, from up in East Tennessee, uh, practiced on revenuers uh, for a while, and then he... Uh, then he got saved, and uh, he actually ended up uh, um, he actually ended up capturing an entire German battalion, I believe it was, uh, 
uh, a brigade, a uh, battalion's bigger than a brigade, right? Yeah, it's a brigade, single-handedly, all, all by himself. And uh, some of you know his, his story because they made a movie of his life. And when they made a, a, a movie of it, uh, for the longest time, he wouldn't let them make the movie until uh, they agreed to use a portion of the profits to, support, to start a Bible school. Bible Institute. That's the kind of man that he was. When the war started, he registered as a conscientious objector. Ultimately, he ended up becoming convinced that his duty that he needed to do overrode his principle, just saying. And so he joined up and became a warrior. But he was a man of peace. He was a man of peace. We don't actually know as much factual information about him, but most of you have seen the movie of, of William Wallace and, uh, and, 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 and Braveheart. And I think one of, the, one of the, you know, the most memorable line to me in the movie isn't necessarily, Freedom! Uh, the most memorable line of the movie to me is when they came to him and tried to get him to go fight against Edward I. And he said, I will live in peace if I can. Because that's the spirit of a warrior. And the greatest warrior who has ever lived, who's ever existed, was the Lord Jesus Christ. Conquered death, hell, and the grave. Someday he'll come back riding on a white horse and destroy all of his enemies with the sword coming out of his mouth. Um, By the way, he's also the Prince of Peace. When a warrior yearns for peace, that's why a warrior fights. But the spirit of war wants nothing to do with peace. And once it's released, havoc reigns. It reigns in a country. It reigns in a church. When the spirit of war is released in a church, it's done. Stick a fork in it. It's over. Bond of peace. There, there, are, there are many blessings that we have received as a nation. But the greatest is that we've gone... In my mind, the greatest is that we've gone over a century and a half now without there being any actual open warfare on our land and our property. What a, what a blessing. Because where there is no peace, things can't, I mean, good things can't happen. Doesn't matter how much, how much you got or how much you had or what your resources are. If, if you're in the midst of war, you can't go anywhere with it. Peace is a, is, peace is, Yes, it is worth fighting for, and, and that's, a, that's a strange thing to say. And for most of us, it brings to mind, so we got to go kill some people so we can have peace. But look, most of us aren't ever going to have to go kill anybody. But, but we do have to fight for peace through love with one another, through patience with one another. That's why it says make every effort to keep that spirit of unity in the bond of peace. It's an important, valuable, precious thing, whether it's in a nation or a church or a home or a family, wherever it is. It brings abundant blessings with it when there's peace. We are called to be one. That is the call that you have received. We're called to be one even in our multiplicity. We're, we're, we're called to be one body, even though we're varied with, with, with many nuances and different, different styles of worship and different opinions and different ideas. We're still called to be one body. We're, we're called to be, to, we're called because there's one spirit. 
There's one spirit. Now, there, you know, there are many spirits in the world, but Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit here. That, that's what he's talking about. And the, whole, the Holy Spirit is that, is that one spirit. Uh, and, and most people who've been trying to do this for some time, you can recognize the Holy Spirit. You can recognize his presence. And you can recognize the presence of other spirits. When we were coming back from Zimbabwe uh, back in 1988, we, uh, we stopped in Singapore for a couple of days. And Singapore is a very interesting city. It's got uh, four major religions that live together, coexist very peacefully together. But, but there's Christianity, there's Islam, there's Hinduism, and there's, there's Buddhism all there together. And, you know, we thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll show the kids a, a little little taste of some of this other stuff. And, and I was, uh, to be honest, I was, I was uh, fascinated by the, the Hindu uh, uh, architecture. I mean, that's just craziness. It, uh, and I went, well, let's go see one of these things. So we went to, we went to a, a, a Hindu temple that had real crazy architecture. And as soon as we walked in, I mean, Margaret and I felt a little different about walking in, but Isaac and Arwen both went, we got to get out of here. We need to get out. They felt the presence of those spirits. But there's only one Holy Spirit. Oh, and he's so, he's, so, he's so sweet and he's so real. One hope, the hope to which you were called. And the hope to which you were called wasn't that, gee, I'm going to be rich. Or, gee, I'm going to be famous. Or, gee, I'm going to have a life with, with, with no pain or no sickness. And the hope to which you were called is eternal life. That's the big thing. This world is not our home. Uh, yeah, I mean, God will do these things for us, and we should ask him, but that's not the, the be-all and end-all. The one hope that we have is eternal life. And one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are so many lords that we serve, and we don't even know that we're serving them. So many. But if we truly make him the Lord of our life, then we don't have to serve those others. We don't, we don't have to be in bondage to them. I mean, Paul starts this out saying, as a prisoner for the Lord. Oh, that sounds terrible. No, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. He's captured my heart. He's captivated my life and my focus. One Lord, one, one faith, believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Often, sometimes I'll hear people say, uh, 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 no, just in passing and you know, and I just don't want to stop and break it down, but just in passing, I hear somebody go, oh, well, they're of the Baptist religion, or they're of the, they're of the Methodist faith, or they're of the Presbyterian faith, or something like that. I go, no, 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 wait a, wait a minute, guys. They're, they're, they're Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterians and Church of Christ and Assemblies of God and all this stuff, but it's the Christian faith. There's only one faith. It's just, they just practice it a little bit differently in, in the way that they do it. One, one baptism, and there are a lot of baptisms mentioned in Scripture, and there are people who have their, their pet favorite baptisms, especially water baptism and, and baptism in the Holy Ghost, and both of these you, you should do. Both of these are important, but that's not the one Paul's talking about here. The, the big one is in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one Spirit, as so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. The one baptism he's talking about is when you came to Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost took you out of the world, took you out of the kingdom of darkness, and transferred you into the kingdom of light, into the body of Jesus Christ. It's one baptism and one God. There are 
many gods, little, little g. In fact, the scripture even says that. 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6. Even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live, and we have been charged with living a life worthy of the calling that we have received to have this one Father, this one Lord, this one faith, this one baptism, one hope, one body. And the way we live that life, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I forgot the third point. (laughs) No, actually I did. I'm having a senior moment. Somebody help me here. (laughs) Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's, that's it. I was with uh, some, some other pastors a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about our, our backgrounds, and a lot of us were brought up in backgrounds where every service and every sermon was, was a salvation message. And, you know, salvation's great. I mean, it really is. You need to, need to get there. But I'm, I'm of, of the opinion that most of the people in here probably are saved. Most of the people I talk to on Sunday mornings, maybe 90, 95% even or more, you know, are, are Christians. And what we were talking about was every, all of the teaching was directed toward getting people saved. And then we let the world disciple them. And that's not how I feel like it should be done. You know, and really most people are going to get saved through the original public media, uh, public social media, which is talking to somebody. Mouth to mouth, you know. And then you bring them to church, and we try to disciple people. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray for people come forward? If you're here today and you need prayer, God's here today. Say, well, he's everywhere, isn't he? Yes, he is. But he's specifically here to meet your needs, answer your needs. He, he, he brought you here. And it wasn't necessary. might not have been just to listen to me or might not have been just to go to Rodney's class and listen to him or to sing a few songs. God's done some powerful things for some people around here these last few weeks. And he'd like to do something powerful for you. So if you, if you need him to, do, to move a mountain, to do something that is beyond your strength to fix something that you think is irreparably broken then uh, you come ask you'll receive if you don't need to come worship with us for a while I give myself away